put uh, as much into something as you put into a meeting like this and to see everybody enjoy it. And I'm glad and thankful that you're here with us tonight. I'm going to ask those folks in the in the sound booth if you can. Uh, just give me. A, you got to help me. If you don't, I'll be dead by Wednesday. Uh, just up as up. I mean, I mean, auditorium. Just keep on going, son. You ain't got there yet. They're scared to death. Scared to death. They're gonna hear you. <laughs> All right. Just sit down now and leave it alone. Just go on, go smoke. <laughs> Just don't mess with it anymore. The, needle, the needles will lie to you. Needles will lie to you. Take a hammer and break all them needles out, all right? And uh, just try to help me, because them needles are not going to be with you Wednesday. <clears throat> what a joy and what a privilege to preach in this hour. What a joy to travel and sing in this day and carry the gospel of Jesus with you in any form and any ministry. And I thoroughly am grateful for the witness. Now, you go by out there on the left, you'll see some of their music out there. You need to get that. Don't browbeat your children for listening to prop me up Beside the jukebox when I die, if you ain't giving them something while they're alive. They got some good music back there. They got a payment plan back there. Go back there and do what you can to get you some of that music. It'll help you. It beats boot scooting boogie. Now you know that I know two country songs. I learned both of them at the Waffle House. Watching a one-tooth waitress fry an egg. It's wonderful. You need to go to town more often. Go by there and get some of their music. There's also some preaching material out there. There's, there's two I'll mention. This is the uh, four tapes, supposed to be five. But the fifth night, we didn't get to have no preaching because God called 19 of them to preach. In a meeting, y'all were there. But there's four sermons on here. Two by Kenny Baldwin, one by Jonathan McNeese, and one by Dr. Ed McAbee. You owe it to yourself to put this in your house. And if you like good preaching, now if you don't like preaching, get their music. (laughs) But get something because we're going to wrestle you down before we get you out of here. Get their music. If you, if you think, well, I think preaching's the thing. All right, just take six steps across the aisle, right down there beside uh, their music table, and you can get the, the 2008 camp meeting preaching services uh, that's there. And there's another one back there, a DVD that I preached at Tommy Steele's. Tommy Steele is an African-American preacher. He, he is black to the core. And he preaches black. He, he just razzed back. And you better pay attention if you want to understand him. If you white. Now, if you black, you can understand him. It don't matter. But if you white, you can't understand him if you don't listen. And the night I got over there and started preaching, those folks got with me and liked to preach me to death. I preached on the prodigal son, and I, when he got down in the hog lot, Luke 15 and 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father. I preached this subject on that verse, tell the devil... I changed my mind. I want you to get this. If you don't get it for no other reason, watch 700 black folks and a white boy go to church. (laughs) Oh, we had a time. A time. This is one of those moments. Get you a copy of it. I hope it'll be a help. It'll be all right if I took this towel. 
I paid way more for the tie than I did the suit. My wife, uh, my wife told me when I, uh, my wife told me when I come back home, she said, don't let that tie get wet. She said, you can soak the rest of that cheap stuff you picked out. But that tie sent me back some money, she said, so I'll just take it home dry. Now, I'm not going to get take nothing else off. Let your heart fall. <laughs> this is the carnalest church I preach in all year. You're the most carnal bunch of people I know. You folks from down at Floyd Road, you fit in well here, too. <laughs> Especially that preacher y'all got. <laughs> Thank y'all for coming and singing, and thank you, Jeff and Susan, for being here with us, and I do appreciate your ministry and uh, encouragement to me personally. Look at your Bible tonight for just a minute. I won't be long because I'm hungry. I hadn't eaten since 5 o'clock. I'm about to starve to death. I'm wormy. I think I got worms. I'm going to go to the doctor and see. I think every time I eat, 15 minutes, I'm hungry. You ever had a child just eat all the time? He got worms. If you'll give him some worm medicine, he'll stretch it out two or three hours. Austin, are you wormy? I, th- I, think, I think he is. He looks a little peaking. Get your Bible and go over to John 13. John 13. And I, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to try to stay as interesting as I can make it. And keep your seat because this many people in this smaller place get up and start moving around. Somebody will get injured. So the best and the safest place for us is just to stay where we are. And I won't be long. Look at, uh, look at John 13, 21. I would ask you to stand, but it's just too crowded. Listen closely to John 13 and 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, thank you, sound people. God bless you. You're really helping me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. We all know who he was. They did not know who he was when the statement was made. Look at... uh, Verse 22, then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now you can take that one of two ways. They wondered if it was one of the others, or they wondered if it was them. When you don't know yourself any better than that, you need a self-examination. They doubted of who it was. I like this. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, on his breast, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Then look at verse 24. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Why didn't Simon Peter ask him himself? He was there. He had the biggest mouth, so he didn't have a language barrier. He got somebody else to ask for him. Notice what it says in verse number 25. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? I want to talk to you tonight about the hardest thing I ever do. I have been preaching... Four Sunday nights ago last night, I celebrated 
40 years preaching. 34 of it. 34 of it, I've been in the same spot. I started out where I'm at with nine people. Five of them was me and my wife and three children. So I'm exaggerating. I had four. We started out in the same area where we are right now. And there have been some difficult things that I have had to do and learned to do during those 34 years or 40 years of preaching. I've had to learn how to raise money. I'm not good at it, but I can do it halfway. It's not the hardest thing I've ever learned. I've had to learn how to keep people together who are constantly wanting to roam. We're all that way, everybody, preacher, deacon, church member. We all have a roaming spirit about us. Just let us get in the right set of circumstances. There are some difficulties that will come your way that will make you do things you swore you wouldn't. Oh, Peter didn't think he'd ever cuss. And he could have sold CDs on how to do it. He didn't ever think that would happen. He didn't intend for that to happen. Man, he was just in a rock and a hard place. He had to do something. Did the easiest thing. He was from Dallas. And I've had to learn how uh, to build buildings. I've built six auditoriums. I, I can't even read a, a, a ruler. I, I don't know much about contractors, and but that's not been the hardest thing I've ever done. The hardest thing I do in preaching God's Word is trying to stay close to the one that called me. It is not easy. Somebody says, well, I don't have any problem. You're probably the furthest one away from it. Yeah. The hardest thing in the world to do is to maintain ministry of God daily in your life. Because this world is not our friend on this subject. There's a constant pull and a tug. And there's a, a, a constant movement of darkness and Satan to draw us. That don't mean we're backslidden. I said close. You can be here and not be backslidden. Here and not be backslidden. But you're not close. God don't want you staying in in significant distance, He wants you staying close. Years ago, I have preached in some wonderful places, and the place I'm going to tell you about is one of them. There is a black church, Gethsemane Baptist Church in Augusta. They was hosting a conference on a Sunday afternoon. I was 20 five years old when this happened. I was asked to come and preach at three o'clock in an all-black ministry. Great people. Great people. Wonderful Christians. I mean, they had the usherettes with the white gloves and white suits and, and just decked out prim and proper. And, and the place was jam-packed and uh, my daddy and I went to that meeting. He had just been saved. And he went to that meeting with me, and he sat right over here beside a man 92. Now, when you're 92, you don't need to be let loose on the general public. I mean, you can be out, but you need a guy. I'm slowly but surely getting there. And I'm picking my guides out as I go. 
He's seated by this gentleman who has a pair of glasses on that look like you broke the bottom end out of a little Coca-Cola bottle, put them in frames, and stuck them on his nose. Oh, my soul! He was blind as a bat. He was sitting next to my daddy who had rheumatoid arthritis so bad it was pathetic. Every time I would say something he liked, he would pop my daddy on his leg. Pow! And he'd try to fight. He'd hit him looking for him. My daddy would holler, Oh! Well, the old man thought he was in the spirit. He'd hit him again. And they had this thing going on over there. So, there was about five or six black preachers on this side. They call them down at the house, sons of the house. There was about five or six over here. And Reverend Trawell was right in the middle with me. He got up and gave this introduction. It was about half a lie, but I took it anyway because man got to do what a man got to do. And I, I, I stood up and uh, I started preaching. Well, it didn't take me long to see this crowd likes it. And they started getting with me. And uh, that was about how, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And I mean, I mean, they was getting down. <laughs> and and that, that just brings out the ignorance in a preacher. His mouth will get bigger than his rear end. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you all have that word in North Carolina? You, your mama told you that word. And, and, and his, he, have you ever heard this? His mouth will just overload. Well, I got to preaching, they got to hollering, I got to preaching, they got louder, I got to preaching. All of, I mean, even the backslidden church members was in it. I never will forget this. I and, and, and the ignorance I'm talking about is when, 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 when congregations start getting with you, 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 you just start saying stuff. Stuff to make them stay with you. Now, if they ain't never preached, believe me, this is true. They'll just get, I mean, I just felt this, this need to encourage the fellowship. I'm just preaching, preaching. And, 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 and I said, I said something like this, maybe not in this order, but something like this. I said, some of you are in here today shouting in God's face, got tobacco on your breath. See, a, a man will get ignorant. And he'll start saying stuff that he ain't got no knowledge of because this crowd's done lit him up. Well, about that time, that old man hit my daddy on the knee and he looked at me and he, I, I can still see him. He was hunting me the whole time in the general direction of the pulpit. He said... Stand close to me. Stand close to me. Well, I'm white. I don't know nothing about close to me. I have never been in this auditorium. And all of them say, yeah, bring it on. Well, that's what he meant. He meant, come on. Give me some more. And so I'm preaching along, and they go to shouting and hollering and carrying on and just rejoicing in the Lord. I said, oh, my goodness. Some of you come in here this afternoon, and you got your tithe in your pocket, and you'll sit here and holler. Oh, he slapped my daddy again. My daddy hollered. Oh, and he said, he said, stand closer. Well, it hit me then what he wanted. He wanted me to keep preaching to him. I said, bless God, I'll just back up and see how much he can take. So I preached along that a little while. And I said, some of you walked in here on a Sunday afternoon today. And last night, you was running the streets 
with somebody else's wife. That old man, I'll never forget this. He hollered, oh, that's close. Now, that gave me a lot of encouragement. Ninety-two, and he knew what I was talking about. It's a joy for me to know that when I get there, maybe I'll still have enough sense to understand that. He said, that's close. How close am I tonight to what I'll talk about? Before I came in here tonight, my prayer for my own heart was, let me digest what I've developed so that I can have a desire to be discipled by the Holy Spirit. To not just be a voice that speaks it or sings it or testifies it, but somebody who wants to genuinely be not a hearer only, but a doer also. Every one of us as children of God should, are you listening? Should draw ourselves tonight to a place of prayer and ask God to draw us close to Him. I didn't come up here, I don't think, just to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, just to speak to you. I came up here tonight, I hope, to be a vessel of God that God can use to speak to you. And God is not going to tell you to stay as you are. But He will tell you to move up. Why? Because there's three benefits. Let me give them to you real quickly. First of all, there is a special affection. There is a special affection when we draw close to God. Brandon, read these verses for me so I won't have to hunt glasses and go back up there. Look at that verse that says, is it 23? Read, start reading 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Read it again. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom. John is leaning on the breast of God. He's leaning on the breast of Jesus. Listen. Now I want you to look right here. Doesn't he love them all? Is his love generic in that it spreads the entirety of creation? John 3.16 was not written to Caucasian people. It wasn't written to African American people. John 3.16 was written to all people. I'm glad to know tonight I am superiorly loved and I am supernaturally loved by the power of the love of God. God's love is universal like a blanket covers all of us. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with, or how you have assessed your situation. You tonight are loved. You're not loved because you sing in Floyd Rhodes Choir. You was loved when you were stumbling around drunk before you ever found the choir. You, 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 you're not loved tonight because you know a verse. You're not loved tonight because you can find the book of Zechariah. You're not loved tonight because you have a King James Bible. You are loved tonight because God chose to love you. Hallelujah. The Bible says, though, wait a minute. That he specifies one that he loves. Which one? Why John? He's leaning on his breast. He's closest. You say, I don't believe the Bible teaches that God shares favor. You want to use Romans 2.11. Don't you? What does it say, preacher? That the Bible teaches us and tells us that God is no respecter of persons. Do you know what context means? 
Do you, do you know what contextual study is? It means keep the verse where the Holy Ghost put it. And study it within the verses on top and beneath. Because within the context, you'll find the definition. And if you'll look at verse verse 11, you'll find the ten verses before it. And the whole chapter after it is talking about God is no respecter of persons when it comes to judging sin. But he is, listen to me, partial to people, do y'all use this word up here, who scrooch up to him. That's a, that's a Valdez term. That's a Morganton term. Scrooch up to me. That's what you do in the dead of winter when the quilt won't hold the heat. Scrooch up to me. <laughs> And God has allowed me as a nothing and a nobody to have a favored relationship with Him that I can get as close, not as I need to be, but as close as I want to be. I had a, I had a grandma that act just like Him. I had a grandma that acted just like Jesus. She was 90-something when I buried her. She dipped snuff for a long time, smoked a pipe. All my people are Cherokee Indian Reservation people from Bryson City, North Carolina. She was a three-quarter blooded Cherokee Indian. And she loved grandbabies. Oh, she'd take yours home and claim it. She loved them. She had about 20. But she would, she would, as they came to see her in groups, like three at a time or four. My daddy had three and, 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 and when, when, when our three grandchildren showed up, Oh, she'd start baking cookies and she'd start uh, doing all kind of stuff for us. And I remember her liking my brother two years younger than I am a whole lot. I can remember her saying, come here, Mikey. And my brother, my brother, oh, he is a sneaky, sneaky devil. I don't like him right now. I'm telling the story and get mad enough. I may call him on my phone while I'm preaching and tell him what I think. You better get this phone. He was, he was so sneaky. He had a little blonde hair and it was curly. I did too till I started preaching. Baptist did this to me. I was gorgeous. A hunk. <laughs> and he, he would twirl his hair and look his thumb. And my grandma would just, she just loved a little, a little thumb sucking hair twirling twerp. And he would, he would go over where she was and I just never thought I ought to put stuff in my mouth to get a cookie. I wanted the cookie in my mouth. And I'd stand in the door and she'd take him and he'd get right up under him. Can I have a cookie? And she'd say, honey, you go get you one. And he'd turn around and he'd say, you want Larry to have one? I'll get his later. Oh, I wanted to thump that little blonde-headed. I just wanted to just, just, just be, I'd repent later, but I just wanted to slap him. He, he would go in and get those cookies and bring them in and set them down on the table. She'd give him four or five and say, Larry, you come and get you one. <laughs> and Mike would be sitting up in, the, in, the, in her lap. And he was a pet. 
probably you got one. You ain't going to say nothing because he's here. And the other eight will burn your house down if they find out, I hope. Didn't you just love it when the teacher had a pet and you couldn't get to him, but you wanted to? <laughs> he loved John. He gave John cookies. And you know why? For one reason. The word bosom. He knew where to camp out. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that closeness has a benefit if the benefit is God loving you with favor? With favor. The other day, I, 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 we're going in the hospital. Steve's with me. We're going to see a lady. Steve's with me sitting there. And we, we turn into University Hospital. He said, you're going to have to park on the top parking deck because... There's not going to be anywhere to park. There never is a place to park on the bottom. I said, Lord, just give me a spot where I ain't got to walk far. We turned in, went around this little corner, and here come backup lights right there. Four cars, the fifth spot, backup lights are backing out. They got out and went on. I came up and turned in. Steve looked at me. He said, just one more time. Just one more time. He said, if it had been me, I'd have had to park in Savannah to get up here to see them. And what do you do? You just mumble some jumbo to him, and he just gives you a pop. He got so mad I had to leave him before he whooped me. Have you ever seen anybody who God just favored every once in a while? That's not God showing partiality as much as it is God rendering favor for position. You don't have to be smart to be close. You don't have to be intelligent to get close. You just got to want Junior, all you got to do is just learn how to Let me ask you a question. Do you want that love? This is a generation we don't need to move away from him. This is a day and an hour when we need to be clawing for position. There's another one. Not only is there a special affection, <clears throat> there is also a special audience. A special audience. Listen at this. How far is it from the breast to the ear? Is it further than from the speaker to the ear? Think about it. Is it, is it, is it, is it, it how, 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 how close do you have to be to whisper in the, in the ear of God, if you're on his breast, aren't you close enough to have an audience with him? You can holler over there, but you can whisper right here because it's just 18 inches to, to, to your need. Simon Peter, read that verse, the next one. What does it say? Now, let me act, let me act this verse out. You, 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 you read it, but you miss it. They're standing there, and the one that Jesus loves because of his closeness is on his breast, laying on his bosom. There's several places you can find that in your Bible, by the way. Over here, standing the rest of his disciples who were just told, one of you all are going to sell me out. They're all wondering one thing. Who is it? 
Simon Peter is over there. Here's what beckon means. And he's asking. Why didn't he ask him? Because he knew the one closest could get him to do it. He was a disciple. He had a mouth. But he was far enough away to know that the one leaning on his breast had an audience with him. (laughs) How many of you ever heard Billy Kelly preach? You know Billy Kelly? Well, that's eight of you. I asked a crowd the other night. It was a bunch of teenagers. I said, how many of y'all ever heard Elvis sing Blue Suede Shoes? Three of them raised their hand. How quick this generation is passing away. He was acid rock in my day. <laughs> Me and him go back <laughs> away. And I can tell some ladies in here are getting real mushy between the eyes. Every time I go to Pigeon Forge, I go to Memories just to see the 30-minute presentation of an impersonation of you ain't nothing but a hound dog (laughs) crocking all the time. Uh, You say you're not a good Christian. You don't know the half of it. If you think that's bad, stay away from me. I will not be good for you for these three days. Billy... Billy Kelly, he weighed 510 pounds one night when I was preaching in a meeting with him. I had all day long laid on the floor and prayed and begged God to use me that night. I, I missed my breakfast, I missed my lunch, and I had not eaten a bite of supper praying for that meeting. He called my room. He said, hey, boy, come down here. I'm in one so-and-so. Come see me. We'll go to church together. I got up and got dressed and went down there and knocked on his door. He came to the door in a pair of boxer shorts the size of Atlanta. I said, how you doing, preacher? He said, come on in. He had been frying, did y'all know him? He had been frying fish. In a motel room. He had a hot plate set up with hot grease. Frying catfish. Somebody give him. I looked over on this table and there was a cellophane cover that had been on a fruit basket. The fruit's gone. There wasn't even an apple core left. He's eat the peelings. He's eat the apple. He's eat the stem. He's eat the blessed core. He's the size of this room. I said, Billy, you ready? He said, get my clothes and help me. I finally got him dressed, helped him. Jesus. And I said, I never will forget. He said, where's my Bible? He said, it don't matter. I don't need it. No way. Come on. I said, okay, come on. We got in this pickup truck and went to church. I got my King James Bible. I got on my suit. I've been fasting and praying. My stomach is ready to sue my throat for non-support. I'm starving to death. We get out of the truck. He waddles in 510 pounds full of catfish. We go in the building. He walks up and gets up there and sits down. And five minutes, he's asleep. I'm sitting on the front row saying, God, in Jesus' name, please use me tonight. I was supposed to preach right after him. The pastor got up and said, Brother Kelly, sing something for us. They had to talk loud because he was snoring. He was asleep. I'm telling you, just like it happened. He got up and sang the prodigal son. The whole blessed church fell out. They was in the altar. They was in the choir. They was stacked up in the back. 
They were moaning and groaning. I was the only one in the building sitting in a seat. That's the God's truth. And I was too mad to move. I ain't had a bite. I've been fasting and praying. He's been feeding and playing. You know when they put me up to preach? They didn't. I didn't even get to lead in silent prayer. I did not get to grunt for God. I was hot. Maybe that's why God didn't use me. I tried to be nice on the way home. I'll never forget this. Tears just busted out on his face. I mean, big old tears just splattering down in his lap. He's driving his truck. I'm sitting over there by him. He made this statement. He said, I don't know why God don't kill me. He said, as sorry and low down as I am. He said, I walk in there and he just favors me. You know what I found out about God? He knows the intent of your heart. And he knows the capacity you have to love him and the affection that you have for him. And you may not do everything just right, but he knows your intent of the heart. And he'll bless you and favor you on your want to. Because his actions that day were not repentant actions of revival. But God favored him and did till he died. My, I have a boy named, a grandboy named Austin. One night, I'll tell you this, and move to the last one. We quit. I was, I was at home. One of the few nights that I got to be at the house, and I got two little grandbabies belonged to my oldest child, my daughter. Austin was the first one. <clears throat> I mean, it was lightning, it was thundering, it was pouring rain. I live 11 miles across town at that time. And, and Austin is in, this, in, in the house with his daddy and mama. And he didn't wake his daddy and mama up. It's 1 o'clock. My phone ring, ring, ring. I go over there and I get that telephone. I said, hello. I thought, God, somebody better be dying to call my house this time. <laughs> I said, hello. He said, Paul, Paul. He said, are you in town? I said, no, I just came into town to answer the phone. <laughs> I said, yes. I said, is this, who is this, Devin Austin? He said, it's Austin. He said, I just want to know you was in town because God won't kill us if you're in town. <laughs> I said, Austin, what are you talking about? He said, I just know the Lord won't kill nobody if you're in town because he might kill you if he starts killing us. He said, I'm just so glad, Papa, you're here. Pray that the rain will stop. I said, hold on. I said, I need a favor. I need some help. I need some help. If you ever gave me a request, you've got to give me this one. Stop it. Please. All right, Austin, you go back to bed. It's going to be... I didn't know if it's going to be all right or not. I said, Austin, you go to back to bed. It'll be all right, son. I'm praying. I hung the telephone up, and I said, Oh, God, I can't let this little old boy down. If you let it rain all over everybody else's house, stomp it on top of here. <laughs> About ten minutes, he called back. I picked it up. I said, Hello. He said, Oh, he said, you don't believe it. He said, it quit raining right after you hung up. He said, thank God, Papa, you in town. Now, he thought his Papa had an audience with God. That is a benefit. When you can snuggle up and... I ain't, I ain't just thought it raining about 11 miles down the road. Please. <laughs> you fellas, your wife come in and say, I want to go to the mall. I ain't got no money, baby. <laughs> he 
he'll start taking money out of the Christmas fund. Con artist. Every woman in here is a con artist. Let me ask you a question. Is an audience with God a benefit? Then should you be close to get it? Making it hard for you not to move. We're staying with the subject. We're fixing to give an invitation. You're going to have to say, no, I don't want to be close. Or yes, I do. That's how it is tonight. Ain't no rabbit running, bail jumping, chapter hopping. It's just one thing. Do you want to be close? And if not, you're not going to have these benefits. This ain't going to happen. And that's why your, your life, your home, your whole domestic system needs Jesus in there. There's a third one. There's a reward. <clears throat> There's a, an award. The first one was what? Affection. The second one was what? Audience. The third one is an award. Watch God, watch God bless closeness. He'll choose you to do stuff. Listen. Give, give me the address and the, and the street. The street. <laughs> Listen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Whoa. Whoa. Back up. Back up and read two. Just two. Just two. All right, read the last part of one. Go back and read one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto God gave it to Jesus. Jesus didn't keep it because he gave it up. Listen. To show unto his servants things which he wanted to show his church things that should come to pass hereafter. And who you going to trust this with? Uh, yeah. and he Listen. And signified it by his angel unto his servant John. An angel gave it to who? He gave it to the one he knew would be responsible enough to say it like he gave it. Now, the book of Revelation is not a book you just want to give to Fred and say, Fred, interpret this. Or Jane, write this down for me. It's just 22 chapters. You know, all hell's going to break loose all over the earth. Balls are going to be. Fire's going to fall out of heaven. Earthquakes. Who in God's name is going to write all that down? One close to him. Who does he trust to do that? One who can. Who knows how to get close. Elijah said to Elisha, I quit, I'm done. Elijah says to Elisha, you're in line to take over for me. What is it that you want me to do for you? What did he say? He, he said, I want twice what you had. Good. I think that was a good answer. I think if he'd have said three times, he'd have been three times more. He said, I want twice God to do double for me than he did for you. Elisha, fixing to get Elijah's anointing. And Elijah said, that's a hard thing, difficult thing for me to do. But I tell you what, if you see me when I leave, is that not what he said? He didn't say go to college. He didn't say go to Hiles Anderson. He didn't say get a doctorate. He didn't say go somewhere and get brilliant theologically. He said, if you just see me when I leave, what do you got to do to see somebody when they leave? Got to be close to them. Don't be running off. And then Elijah said, uh, he said, I'm I'm going down to Gilgal. Elijah said, I ain't been there in a while. I'm going with you. I mean, his shadow in Gilgal was the assistant pastor. He said, well, I think I'll go up to Bethel or Jericho. He said next, I think I'll go to Jericho. Old Elisha said, you know, Jericho is a fine place this time of year. <laughs> I think I'll just go with you. Amen. 
He said, well, I'm going to Bethel after he left, Jer- after he left Jericho. And he said, I'm in. Count me in. I'm there. And it was from there. A chariot in a whirlwind came down on the earth or close proximity thereof and snatched Elijah out and he never died. But he did do something when he left. He threw that coat. (laughs) And who who was the one that caught it? The one closest to him. You say, well, the power wasn't in the coat. We got a song for you. How dumb thou art. How dumb thou We may have to write a few this week, but we'll get you in. He picked up that coat, went over to the water preacher. What did he do? He threw it down on the water and said, Where is the Lord God of, of Elijah? And all of a sudden, he threw the coat down in the waters and they parted. He knew that God's power... What did not go with the man, but was left behind with him. What is the moral of the story? Stay close, you do the most. This is what gospel singing and gospel music needs. Not people who are looking for a billing or a dove award, but people who just want to stay close to God. You would have never met me and never had the opportunity to know an You've never been here, and most of the places you go, people love you because you have a closeness with Him. And, you, and, and I'm, not making, I'm, I'm certainly not making much out of it as much as I'm saying God will let you love Him and fall in love with Him and get close to Him and not do it for the fanfare. But just do it because of the warfare. Get close to Him. Now, we don't have much room. But I wonder how many of you tonight want a special affection. Now, I'm telling you, there's favor in that, in that verse. God will do for you what he won't do for your next door neighbor and your, and your property lines 22 foot from your bedroom to his, and God will treat you differently, doesn't he? If you're, if you're, if you're close. Do you want a special audience? How long has it been since you asked God for something and got it? Oh, you called the preacher. How many people tell me, I want you to pray for my son. I tell everybody, who, and if you tell me this tonight, this is what you're going to hear. Let's pray right now, and I'm not going to do it if you don't. you going to lead us in prayer. It is not my responsibility to get your boy in. You're asking me to do what you're not doing. And don't test that because it's the truth and you know it. You're trying to get a bunch of people together to do something that you can do if you get close to God. If one in God's a majority, why are you trying to get up a crowd? Because the one is struggling. Get close to him. And the third one, do you want to be awarded? I had a kid the other night came to our church. He'd been saved two years. He got called to preach about 12 months ago. <laughs> he was standing in the front with me. He said, boy, i tell you what, I sure would like to pass to this church. <laughs> I said, son, go get you a scoop of vanilla ice cream, put it on a cone, sit down and lick yourself back to reality. Because God don't turn over His work to just anything. He grows you into ministry. And when you ain't been saved for two years, it would kid you a week. Y'all going to sing something for us? Father, in Jesus' name tonight, I love you. Thank you for this message. Thank you for helping me preach it. Thank you for a little bit of humor in it that helps us to make our flesh here. But thank you for the truth of it tonight. I can lay my head on Jesus' breast 
And I can be favored of God and I can get what I need and I can be ministering in such a way that will honor God. How many of you turn around right in the seat where you are? You turn around and use that seat for a mourner's bench right where you are. You just get right down on the floor and turn around. Get right back in your and use that use that seat you're sitting in for a mourner's bench. And you'd say, God, please touch me tonight. I want to draw closer. I'm sorry for my sin. If you're in one of these chairs, just make it an altar. I'm sorry for the way I've acted. I'm sorry for my transgression. I'm sorry for my iniquity, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name. I want you to draw me close to you. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, Jesus, touch us tonight, Lord. Forgive us of all of our iniquity. Wash us completely whole. Cause us tonight, Lord, to lay on your breast. Cause us tonight to get serious about our positioning. And cause us to see we have an audience with God. We can come boldly. We can walk into the presence of God and get what we need. And help us to see you've got something you want to trust us with. But you can't trust people who aren't close. Oh God, we surrender all. Oh Jesus. Now if anybody needs to come to this altar for any reason, we'll meet you and we'll pray with you here. Thank you that are praying in the pews where you are. Maybe you just need to walk forward for some reason. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. You just make your journey forward. Oh, God. You're all not of saved. It's yours we'll tonight. show you all how. All of it's yours tonight. All of it's yours tonight. Surrender it all. Oh, You've never God, done that. Me. Now's the time. Help me tonight, Lord. Help me, God, I pray. Oh, to Jesus Oh, God, send revival to this church this week. Let us see the power of heaven fall down around us. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me, help me, help me. You pray God will help you tonight. You pray God will touch you tonight. Oh, God. If you finish praying, would you stand while they sing through it one more time? Again, this altar's open. We're here to pray with you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, yes. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. All. All. Oh, God, yes. everything. It's His anyway. <laughs> Just hand it over. Well, I want to thank you for being here tonight. Now, I asked you earlier how many of you enjoyed the wonderful singing, and uh, I think everybody here enjoyed it. I want to tell you, I thank God for that wonderful message. And he said, you enjoyed the message, say amen. 
Thank God, thank God for it. Uh, thank you, preacher, for it. God bless you. I love that message. And uh, you know, I even like the way he delivers. I wish I could do that every once in a while. I just can't do it. I ain't got that hunting look in them eyes he's got, huh? I practiced that in the mirror and broke it. But I thank God that God uses this man. Uh, those uh, four outside of his family that he told you that he started with 34 years ago has grew into a fairly sizable community these days. He probably had 4,000 people or close to it on his property Sunday morning. 